0: to see young people uh, serving and uh, it's not easy to stand up here in front of a crowd and if you guys got to see what I see standing up here sometimes you would understand how hard it is sometimes to stand up here and I appreciate uh, these young people and we're seeing and our goal is training an army for the Lord Jesus Christ and so seeing uh, young people rise and serve the Lord, and we've got a lot of young ladies and young men playing pianos now and uh, learning music and uh, getting involved in ministry and, and serving the Lord. We're in First John tonight, First John chapter 2. Uh, we will begin, and if you want to stand with us as we read together the Word of God, Going to read a first few verses from 1 John chapter 2, and then we will go to 1 John chapter 3. Uh, We are are looking, have been looking over the the past weeks concerning the return of Christ. Uh, We are living in some of the most exciting days in all of the history of the world in which to live. We are witnessing right before our very eyes the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. So many things. Uh, happening. Uh, many, many changes in our world in 2020. Uh, on into 2021, recently as we dealt with Jerusalem, and we saw uh, these events taking place in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, we see Bible prophecies in the book of Zechariah and throughout the Word of God that relate to Jerusalem. And everything seems to, to point to the soon return of of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're gonna look at an important thought here tonight in 1 John chapter two. I want to begin at verse number 28 at the end of the chapter. And it reads, now little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. As you move on in this section of scripture, he's talking about the change that the new birth brings about in a life. I'm thoroughly convinced that when somebody meets the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord works a miracle in the heart. We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, but that grace changes a life. Now we go into chapter 3, and we read, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not." Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And what we're looking at tonight is, is this simple thought of unashamed when Christ returns. I don't want to have any shame, any remorse. I want to be confident as the Lord returns. That's what this section of scripture is about. Now, if you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer and and let's ask his help, his guidance tonight. And as always, we so need him. The Lord knows every heart. He knows every need here tonight, not by accident that any person is here and there's something for each and every one of us. So let's yield And just allow the Lord to have his way tonight. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege uh, just being in this place. We've been encouraged by the singing, the specials. Uh, Lord, just uh, having your presence here. And uh, Lord, as we come before you here this evening, we need to hear from heaven. Uh, Lord, this this evening we understand uh, there are needs in this audience. Uh, There's somebody here tonight that needs some encouragement. Uh, There's somebody here tonight that uh, maybe does not know you, has never been born again. And Lord, tonight there would be a challenge to that heart. Maybe there's somebody here that uh, truly has been saved, but has wandered away from you. And if you returned right now, they would be ashamed. And Lord, challenge us tonight at the very point of need and uh, minister through us. Help me as I preach. Help me to say that only, which you would want to be said in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated uh, this evening. Uh, Recently, as as you know, I've I've been preaching concerning Christ's return. And so many uh, of the current events, uh, we are living, as I said, in exciting, exciting days. We're seeing Bible prophecy come fulfilling before our very eyes. Uh, One of the things that convinces me this Bible is the Word of God is our God, which made everything, knows the beginning from the ending. And our God has given so many prophecies in this Bible. There were over 300 prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ, and every one of those fulfilled in minutest detail. As we deal with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe they are going to be fulfilled in minute details, just as the first coming of the Lord was fulfilled. Now, Bible prophecy tells us that Jesus is coming again. Just as sure as I'm here tonight, just as sure as you're here tonight, Jesus is coming back. Jesus said, if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a prophecy concerning the rapture and we know that that is coming soon now it refers to the catching away of God's children Uh, there's coming a day uh, the trumpet is going to sound the dead in Christ will rise that means those which died who were saved uh, they will be resurrected then those who are saved and alive will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and he says so shall we ever be with the Lord that's the rapture Now, as the Bible teaches, and we've gone over this a little bit, His coming is imminent. Uh, That means simply it's about to happen or it's ready to take place. Uh, Somebody today uh, in our chapel service, after we finished the service, somebody asked me today, uh, is there anything that must happen before the rapture can take place? And here's my response, no. Uh, I believe that uh, that rapture, that, that it's imminent uh, the Bible teaches that it can happen at any moment. There are no prophecies left to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. Now, as we think about His coming, His coming is unknown. We don't know when that will be. Uh, we can't predict the day nor the hour. Jesus said no man knows the day nor the hour. It's, it's evident that current events seem to indicate it could be very, very soon, but we don't know when. Uh, we don't know uh, what day, uh, what month, what year. Uh, the rapture will take place. We know it's imminent. It's an unknown time. Uh, and we know that his coming will be unexpected, as Jesus described it. It would be like a thief in the night. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44, he said, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known, at what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. He says, Therefore be ye also ready... For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. i just curious, you don't have to answer this, but how many of you woke up this morning and thought, this may be the day when I see Jesus? Uh, I think so often we go through a day, and we really don't expect that that's going to be the day. And the Lord said it will be such a time when men and women, boys and girls, are not expecting it. It will be such a time that Jesus is coming back for His children. I want to take this thought. It's really evident as we look at Scripture, uh, some of the parables that Jesus taught, this Scripture that we read tonight, it's very evident that many of God's children will be caught off guard, unprepared when Christ returns. Uh, They will have no confidence. They will be ashamed. Had a grade school teacher, gave homework assignments, and she said, you better read the homework, you better do the homework, because when you least expect it, we're going to have a pop quiz. Any of you ever have to do pop quizzes? I did not like pop quizzes because it meant I had to do my homework. And I can remember times that if I did not do my homework, I would go to school fretting because that may be the day that my teacher was going to give the pop quiz. I wasn't ready. But if I had done the homework assignment, I could go to school with confidence and ready for that pop quiz, ready to go. Teacher, today is the day. Give it today and ready to go with that. In a sense, I know that's a crude illustration, but in a sense, that's what the Lord is talking about, being prepared for His return. Now, I was given a job assignment after I graduated from from high school and preparing for college, and I had a summertime, a temporary job. And uh, my boss gave me uh, a section to take care of, and my job, the trash in a certain area. Had uh, really it was a mess and so he gave me a job and I was to go out to that location and do that job assignment and often the boss would come by just to inspect what was done and then to see if uh, a job was accomplished and give new assignments and it was always a blessing if my boss came by and I was found doing what I was supposed to be doing. Have you ever worked a job and you really were not being obedient to your boss or uh, maybe you were having eye service as men pleasers and and you only worked hard when your boss was around and so if your boss ever snuck up on you, you were caught off guard. That's not a good feeling, is it? And, And so here it's always good to be about what you're supposed to be doing and so it is with the Lord's return. When the Lord returns, don't you want to be found in His will? Don't you want to be found doing what He wants you to be doing? I think that's what this scripture is all about here tonight. Now many truly saved, and and my conviction is this. If you've been born again, the Bible calls it eternal life. We're going to see that in this scripture tonight. It's eternal life, and if it's eternal, the Lord will never take it from you. It's His gift. You did not earn it. You don't deserve it. You didn't get it because you were good enough. As we sang tonight, rock of ages, cleft for me. Could my zeal forever, uh, could my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no respite? No. Uh, All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone, as the song says. And and that is so true. And when somebody has come to receive that gift, it's God's gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It's by his grace. And you can't keep it by your goodness. That's his grace as well. However, it's evident that many of God's children will be found uh, unprepared, ashamed at His return. This morning in our our chapel service, we we talked about how important it is to be faithful to the Lord through the summer. Always faithful, but faithful through the summer. I've seen so many drop away from faithfulness during the summertime. And so I just challenged this morning, be faithful. Uh, Read your Bible every day. Be faithful. Be faithful to pray. Be faithful in church. I've seen church, uh, so many taken away from church in the summertime, vacations and busy schedules and sleeping in. Uh, Be faithful to the things of God during the summertime. Be faithful in church. Be faithful in your witness. I encourage them to carry tracts and just to give out tracts and give a witness, a testimony for Jesus Christ. Be faithful in your giving. Wouldn't it be a blessing if the Lord came back this summer and He found you faithful? Wouldn't it be kind of neat if we were having church and the trumpet sounded and the Lord came back and you were right here where you ought to be? Wouldn't it be a blessing if the trumpet sounded and you're reading your Bible, you're having a devotional time, you're in the will of God, unashamed at the return of Jesus Christ? You can write beside this scripture in 1 John, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 13 through 15, Every man's work shall be made manifest. This is speaking of the judgment seat of the Lord. He said, For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And he speaks of gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. He said, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, uh, work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And I talk about that as being saved by the skin of your teeth. You're saved, uh, but uh, really not serving the Lord, not in the will of God. And saved, kind of like Lot in the Old Testament. He was a saved man, uh, but Lot lost his reward. Uh, Lot wasn't prepared when the Lord entered into Sodom. Uh, Lot was out of the will of God, and uh, though Lot was delivered from Sodom... Yet he had many regrets and lost even his family and his testimony and so many things as the Lord returned. Now here's our question tonight that we're going to look at in the Word of God. How can you have confidence? How can you be unashamed when Jesus returns? And I'm going to give you three very simple words that we take out of 1 John here tonight. Three simple words that will help you to have confidence when the Lord comes, when He returns. Uh, the first word, if you look with me in chapter 2 and verse number 27, 1 John, uh, this first word is this word anointing. He said, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it had taught you, ye shall abide in Him. Uh, if you back up to verse number 20, a very similar thought as to this anointing. He says, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Now, I believe as you look at the context of this scripture, this is a reference to the Holy Spirit of God. And you notice in the context that John is speaking of those that are saved. He's speaking to those that have been born again. Uh, Just a few verses. Look back at verse number 12. And he says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known Him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. He speaks again in verse number 18 of little children. And then in verse number 24, Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, shall also continue in the Son, and in the Father. So in verse 25, and this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. Uh, that is life forever. Uh, as we mentioned, you can't get it by your goodness, and you can't lose it. It's God's. It's secure. Now that, those that are saved, he's in our context, we're talking of those that have been born again, of those that are saved. And those that have been saved have received the gift of God's Spirit. That's the unction that he speaks about. That's the anointing that he speaks of. He speaks of those that have received the Spirit of God. You're sealed by the Spirit of God unto the day of redemption. Now, if you go forward to 1 John chapter 5, notice this in verse number 10. A very simple. Salvation is simple. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. What is that witness? It's that unction. It's that anointing. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, the Bible tells us that when we're saved, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Now, I've given you my testimony, but I I, uh, joined a church in fourth grade, got baptized. My sister had been saved in a revival. I I was baptized, but I wasn't saved. Uh, There was no peace. There was no anointing, no unction. There was no assurance of salvation. I did not possess the spirit of God because I had not been born again. I thought if my good could outweigh my bad, that I would make it to heaven. And so here I was trying to earn my way to heaven. And I thought that by being baptized, that would be a step toward that. But there was no peace within my heart. It was not until one night I knew that if I died that night, I would split hell wide open. And it was that night I understood that Jesus died for my sin. And I cried out unto the Lord, Receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Put my faith and my trust in Him and Him alone. See, that night, as the Bible described it, I was born again, and that night I received the gift of God's Spirit, as we mentioned, sealed by the Spirit of God unto the day of redemption. Now, the Bible teaches that God's Spirit lives within every child of His. And it's the Spirit of God that gives assurance of that salvation. Uh, Here the Bible is teaching that that Spirit of God, that anointing, guides us into the path of truth. See, a true Christian is taught by God's Spirit that Jesus is God. Uh, You'll notice in 1 John, for example, chapter 2, verse number 20 in this context. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One. He says, you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. And here he's speaking of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Uh, In the day of John, as he wrote this passage of Scripture, uh, there's a group of of teachers, they were called the Gnostics. They were uh, supposedly uh, learned, and yet they denied the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, They were coming in, teaching this false doctrine, and what John is expressing, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God teaches you who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He's God manifest in flesh, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's my Jesus. And so God is by His Spirit teaching us this truth. See, I don't believe that a person can deny the deity of Jesus Christ and truly be saved. See, the Jesus of the Bible is God manifest in flesh. It's only that Jesus that can save us. Now, as we look at the Spirit of God teaching us and giving us assurance, uh, He teaches us that that Jesus is God. But also, you'll notice here in verse number 12 uh, of chapter 2, it's the Spirit of God that teaches us that the Bible is God's Word. Notice the statement I write unto you, little children. That's the word of God. I write unto you, in verse 13, fathers. He says in verse 14, I have written unto you, fathers. I have written unto you, young men. Speaking of the word of God. And it's the spirit of God that teaches us the Bible is God's word. Look in verse 24. He said, let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. He's speaking of the word of God. A, a true Christian is taught by the Spirit of God that this Bible is God's word. This Bible is different than any other book that has ever been penned. This is the Word of God. It's not man's book, it's God's book. It's inspired of God. It's trustworthy. Uh, we can depend upon it. It's true. We can build our lives upon it. It's the Spirit of God and a saved person that teaches the sp- saved person of the truth of God's Word. See, a true Christian believes, as we mentioned a moment ago, that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Uh, a true Christian understands that his works fall short of the glory of God, can never earn the gift of salvation. Our salvation is not of works. Now that presence of God's Spirit is, uh, is the anointing. It keeps us in the path of truth. Now notice something interesting. Go back to 1 John 2, verse 18. And it reads, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, we've preached a lot here recently about the coming Antichrist. But he says, even now, there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. Notice the statement in verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. He's talking about the local church and, uh, that teaches and preaches the word of God. And as he speaks of this local church, he says those that are not truly saved uh, eventually would go away. And remember, this was the days Gnosticism was taught. There were false teachers, and they taught against the deity of Christ and led many out of the local church and away from the truths of, 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 of church that preached the word of God. And what, uh, what John is expressing, they went out because they were not really of us. They didn't possess the Spirit of God. You know, interesting, recently I heard of statistics, a large number of so-called evangelical leaders uh, do not believe in the deity of Christ. I was astounded. I said, how can that be? Anybody who believes the Bible knows who Jesus is. And yet I was reading, these were preachers, these were teachers Denying the deity of Jesus Christ. See, and that's the testimony. They went out, they denied that deity because they never possessed the Lord Jesus Christ. Did not know the truth. A lot of cults today are praying upon those who claim Christ. And it's also evident that many are leaving Bible-preaching churches. Why? Because they've never been born again. Never truly been saved. They do not have the unction of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God's Spirit. I, I would just say this, and I experienced this myself. It's possible to be a member of a church but be lost as a goose. I was there. I was a member of a church but lost. And had I died, I would have gone to hell. And so it's very possible. So you can be a member of a church but not a part of the family of God because you've never been born again. Jesus made it clear, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must be saved. And So as we're talking about standing before the Lord in His return, unashamed, having confidence, this word anointing is so crucial because it speaks of the Spirit of God that a child of God possesses. Let me give you a second word. Again, a lot of false doctrine, false teachers, The Spirit of God within a saved person causes him to recognize a lie. But look at another word, and it's this word abide. I want you to notice in verse 24, 1 John chapter 2, and verse number 24, this word abide. He said, let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also should continue in the Son... And in the Father. And then we look at verse number 27. But the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you. And notice in verse number 28. And now little children abide in Him. That when He shall appear we may have confidence, not be ashamed before Him at His coming. That word abide really literally means to remain in fellowship. When Christ comes, will you be in fellowship with Him? Fellowship is kind of like two fellows in the same ship. Will you be in fellowship with the Lord? Now, it's possible to be a son or a daughter and not be in fellowship with your parents. You can be a son or a daughter and out of fellowship. Luke, you can be a husband to be out of fellowship with comments like tonight. I'm just joking but you can be out of fellowship. And so it's possible uh, to be saved, but to be out of fellowship with the Lord. And it's evident when Christ returns, some of His children are going to be out of fellowship. They're saved, but like Lot, not in fellowship. Out of fellowship and ashamed when Jesus comes. Now, how can we abide? How can we remain in fellowship? You can write beside this John chapter 15 where it speaks, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. He goes on in that scripture and says, Without me ye can do nothing. So how do we abide in fellowship with the Lord? In the context here of of 1 John chapter 2, uh, look at verse 26. And he said, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. So he's he's speaking about believing the truth. And again, the Spirit of God teaches us that truth. And very important, if you are to abide in the Lord, you must abide in the Word of God. A lot of Christians will not be in fellowship with the Lord Because they're not in the Word of God. This is why I challenged our students today in school. Uh, This summer, read your Bible. Uh, Abide in the Word of God. Hide the Word of God in your heart. If all you get is what you get at church, you're not going to stay steadfast. You'll, You'll be out of fellowship. You need the Word of God. You need to, day by day, absorb the Word of God. This is the Word of God. This is God's love letter to you. And friend, if it's a love letter from God to you, don't you think it's important for you to read this your instructions are found in this book how can you be prepared when Jesus comes be in the word of God and not only in the word of God abiding in the truth but obeying the truth see the great commandment is that 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 you love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind Jesus made the statement John chapter 14 verse 15 if you love me keep my commandments And so if we think about abiding in the Lord, if you know something to be the will of God and God speaks through the word of God, then you're accountable to obey that. Think about this as a child within your home. If father gives you instructions and you do not obey your father's instructions, you broke the fellowship, didn't you? You're out of fellowship. A lot of Christians will be out of fellowship, ashamed when Jesus comes because there are clear commandments that they have been given and yet they're not obedient to those commands. Not in church, not in the Word of God, not faithful in their witness, not faithful in their life and their living before the Lord. And so to abide in the Lord is to be obedient to the Lord. Be in the Word of God, but then be obedient to the directions that God gives you. If you know something to be the will of God, then you obey, you follow that will of God. I've given this testimony before, but it, it's so when I come to this thought, it reminds me of this. Uh, we lived, grew up on a farm. We lived six miles away from town, and our town was a big town that if you blinked your eyes, you would miss the town. And so, six miles out of that big, huge town, uh, we lived. And one day, my parents said, "We are going to go to town, and we want you, my brother and sister, and I, to clean the house." So clear directions were given. Now, my brother and I loved to play basketball. My sister loved to be a cheerleader. And so we moved all the furniture out of the corners, and one side of the house was one gold, and one side of the house was the other gold. And it was my brother against I, and my sister was cheering. And uh, she's the one that got us in trouble anyway to begin with. And so we're going at it, sweating and having a good time together, playing basketball in the living room. And then it wasn't long. I hear the cry, it seemed like not long, but it was probably about an hour. We hear the cry from my sister Mom and Dad are coming. They're coming. And all of a sudden, we realized we had not been obedient. We were caught. We were sweating. We frantically put the furniture back into place, tried to clean up things, but it was too late. I have to say, I was ashamed when my parents returned, completely forgot what I was supposed to be doing in the midst of this heated basketball game. Completely forgot. And that's where a lot of Christians are. The Lord has given us instructions, but in the busyness of our everyday life and affairs, we have forgotten those instructions. I'm just curious, don't raise your hand. When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When was the last time that you really spent time praying to the Lord? When was the last time that you really delved into the Word of God and God by His Spirit spoke to you through His Word? See, when the Lord comes, you want to be abiding in His will, doing what He's given you to do, obeying the truths of God's Word. When we speak of abiding in the Lord, we would also speak of loving other Christians. Much of the book of John is about loving the brethren. Parents, you understand this. You're grieved if your children are fighting each other. It hurts you as a parent. And likewise with the Lord. Uh, The Lord, if you are at odds with a brother or sister in Christ, it grieves the Lord, grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And when the Lord returns and you're not right with fellow Christians, you're going to be ashamed because you're not abiding in the truths of God's Word. We don't have time to show this here in 1 John, but many, many scriptures. Uh, 1 John 4, God is love, and he that loveth knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Uh, In 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. And so he speaks here of abiding. Now very quickly, let me give you the third word. We have the word anointing. It speaks of the relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. It's salvation. The word abiding But let's read 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 3, and then we'll come back and show the context. In 1 John 3, verse number 3, And every man that hath this, and here's our third word, hope, hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now, the biblical hope is not like we speak of hope. Uh, We might say, I hope that I can go to town today. It's an uncertainty. The biblical hope is something that is sure. It's something that we have absolute confidence in. We just don't know when. And he speaks here of this hope. It's the confident expectation of what God has promised. And it's the expectation God has promised that we know that it's going to come to pass. We just don't know when. And so when the Bible speaks of the hope of the Lord's coming, we know it's going to happen. We just don't know when. That's the biblical hope. Now, let me just wrap up this thought here tonight. Our salvation is threefold. What do you mean, preacher? Well, there's a past tense. We have been saved. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love, the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. The moment I trusted Christ, I became His child. And what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. In John 1, verse 12, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Think about this tonight. What love? That if you're saved, you're God's child. If you're saved, you're called a son of God. You're forgiven. You've been accepted in the beloved, accepted in Jesus Christ. Your salvation is secure. It's eternal. The moment you got saved, your sin was blotted out. It's in the depths of the sea. Your past, your present, and your future sin forgiven. Okay, that's the past tense of salvation. But we're being saved. That's the present tense. You look in chapter 3, verse number 2. He says, Beloved, notice this statement, Now are we the sons of God. This is present tense. In verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. He's talking about this present tense. When I got saved, he started to work in my heart. He started changing me. He's been changing me ever since. Uh, There's a lot of things that still need to be changed. There's a lot about the Bible I don't understand. Uh, there's a lot that I need to grow in. But I'm so thankful that I'm not what I used to be. The Lord is at work in my life. And the Lord teaches. And this is the present tense of salvation. See, the hope of His coming draws us to maturity. I, I don't want to be found in rebellion or disobedience when Jesus comes. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. It's a teenage girl. She was invited to go with her friends to a certain place, and here was her response. She said, my daddy wouldn't want me to go there. One of the friends said, oh, you're afraid that your daddy's going to hurt you. And this girl responded, no, I'm afraid that I would hurt my daddy to know I went there. And what a response. And she said, I don't want to hurt my daddy. It's a great illustration. See, if we have the hope of the Lord's return, those that love Jesus don't want to hurt Jesus with where we go, with what we do, with what we listen to, with our life. We want to be pleasing when Jesus comes. Those that love Jesus want to be found doing what He wants us to do at His return. That's the hope of His coming. So there's the past tense, we've been saved, that's secure. But in the present tense, we are being saved. But all this gets gooder. There's the future tense. We will be saved. And look at this in verse number 2. He said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it had not, not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as he is. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, At the moment of that trumpet, we're changed in a moment of time. Uh, never to sin again. Think about this. Uh, what breaks my heart is that I let Jesus down. I do. You ever do stupid things? Uh, things that you say, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? And here we are, we let the Lord down. But here this speaks of a future tense of salvation that we will be changed never again to sin never another bad thought or word or action we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is so he's coming are you ready will you have confidence or will you be ashamed three words anointing that's true salvation Does the Spirit of God bear witness with your spirit that you're God's child? And if you have not that witness within yourself, that needs to be settled tonight. You're going to be worried. What if the rapture happened today and I'm not ready? You have no confidence. But if you know the Lord, you have the confidence. And then the word abiding, remaining in fellowship. Are you in the will of God? And the word hope. Having confidence in the promise of God, it purifies us that we be not ashamed. What if it were today? Are you ready? Are you confident? Are you unashamed? If right now, this moment, Jesus returned, what would you regret? Where would you be? I want you to think about that for a moment. Let's bow our heads.